it will be worth it all. And I love the last verse. There's going to be a day when the temperature will be vanished and we'll lay our burdens down. We'll see Christ face to face. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, and, and the truth is, that's how we keep going. Amen? It's, uh, the, this whole Christian life is all about perseverance. It's not uh, in our strength. It's not about persevering in our strength. Or even standing. We're talking about standing uh, with the armor of God upon us today. We don't do that in our strength either. We do it in the, in the power of, of our almighty God. We do it as, as he enables us to. But man, it's looking forward to that day. Uh, I, I'm certainly I, I'm glad I, I don't have to look back. I, I look back at what Christ did for me, but I don't have to dwell upon my past. I don't have to dwell in what I've done or who I used to be. Um, I can look at who I am now and who God's making me to be. And uh, I, I, pre- I praise the Lord for that. I look forward to that day. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to continue on our, 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 our study here through the armor of God, looking forward uh, to, to try to prepare ourselves uh, for the day of battle. And that day is today and tomorrow and every day uh, until that day, right? It, it, it's, it's not over until we see Christ, uh, until I open up my eyes in heaven. Uh, uh, that battle is still going on here, at least for me, uh, but uh, it should be going on for all of us. Uh, we're, we're, we've read, talked about um, how we're to, to prepare by being doing these things in the power uh, and in the strength of the Lord. We talked about that in verse 10, and last Sunday morning and last Sunday afternoon we talked about the enemy that we were battling. It's not flesh and blood, but it's, it's a spiritual battle that, that, that we're, they're fighting, and it's not, the, it's not political. It isn't nation versus nation, person versus person. It's, it's uh, God's people against Satan. This is a spiritual battle and we, we don't fight with, we can't fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons or physical fighting. It's, it's all done, honestly, it's all done in verse 18 in prayer. That's where the battle takes place. Uh, these things that God has given us in these verses 14 through 17, this is the protection that we have that, we're, that we might be able to stand. But the, the battle takes place in prayer. That's how we fight. Uh, but let's go ahead and we're going to read just verse 14 again. And I will probably read 10 to 14. We're going to pray and ask God to help us uh, for this afternoon. Uh, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to speak the truth of your word. God, I, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit, Lord, that I'd be empty of myself, there'd be nothing of me in this message, or, uh, Lord, that you'd just hide me behind the cross of Jesus. Lord, I'm so thankful for that cross. I'm thankful that he's not on there anymore. Lord, and that we have victory over all, of Satan, all that Satan had in store for us because of that cross and because of that resurrection. God, I pray that you would uh, help us now to focus upon your word, speak to us. Lord, give us uh, knowledge and understanding. Lord, and, and Lord, speak to our spirits, our hearts, help us to be tender, Lord, that we might not just know it and understand it, but that we might apply these truths to our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And uh, we thank you for the truth that we have here before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We talked this morning 
of the 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 first part of the armor we talked about the uh, the 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 specific um the, the specific armor of the the uh loins being girded about with truth uh this afternoon we're going to look at the second half of this verse and we'll spend the rest of our time there and all throughout scripture but we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness the breastplate of righteousness what is it uh why do we need it and how how to have it First of all, the breastplate of righteousness is, a, if, if you see here on this guy, I appreciate the picture because so, it kind of helps. That breastplate covers the front of the, the soldier, right? It covers from neck down to torso. We talked about the, the, the loins being girt with truth, that belt, that, that girdle that the, they used to wear, uh, which tied everything else kind of together. Uh, and the breastplate would be attached to that, and it would cover and protect all of this area. And what do we have in this area? heart, lungs, liver, spleen, all those really important things that you need to live, right? If, if, you're, if you were to be wounded in one of these areas, uh, uh, you may struggle in, in, in your battle. You may not die, right? I, you, can live without certain, you can live without your spleen. You can live with only one kidney. If I were to stab you through and that were to hit your kidney, as long as you get the bleeding stopped, you wouldn't die, but it would certainly weaken you. Right, and I can tell you, having seen people that have have ruptured spleens and ruptured uh, kidneys and ruptured different organs or liver, uh, uh, it's you lose strength very quickly because those organs bleed internally. You may not even have any outward visible sign of of, of injury right away. Uh, sometimes, especially in like car accidents or or uh, ATV accidents, the, the the signs of those injuries come much later, uh, hours or days later, uh, and you see this big splotch of purple all over the back. What happened? They were bleeding internally, and they didn't know it. Uh, so it's uh, sometimes those those wounds aren't necessarily visible. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily get stabbed. You could be struck by one of those broadswords. Do you, do you know how much damage one of those things could do? Even if it hits you with the broad side of it, that's a lot of damage. Uh, one of the one of the shows that uh, that uh, I, I watch occasionally, it's called Forged in Fire. They make these old weapons, uh, swords and knives, and I love the I like it till I watch. I like to watch them test them on. Uh, the, they call them ballistic gel dummies. It's a it's a human form with a skeleton inside, and of course they fill it full of organs that are have red dye in it, so it looks like it's for you, for all you guys. It's awesome to watch. And they know, there's this one guy, I love him, he says he does this, he, they, they perform three tests. They, they perform its strength, its sharpness, and whether or not it would kill somebody. And I love the one, I love the, the last test. They always do that one first. It's called the kill test. And the, the guy will take the sword, and he knows how to use swords, and, and he'll stab it purposely right through the liver. And, and then he spins around and twists, and so it comes out, and now just blood just gushes out everywhere. It, it's awesome to look at. And he always looks at the guy and he says, it will kill. And that's, that's how he always says, it's awesome. If you've ever seen the show, like, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. But uh, the, the you've got to be careful of what happens to those things because if they bleed internally, if you lose a lot of blood, what happens? The Bible's true when it says life is in the blood. 
You can bleed yourself to death. But even if you don't die, you can bleed yourself so that you're weak and you can't stand. And the whole purpose of this armor of God is that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, that, that you can stand in place, that be unmovable, un, uh, unmoved and unsettled. And, and, and not only that, but then stand against what Satan's trying to do. It's, almost, it's not just being immobile and just being a rock, but man, you're, you're, you're fighting against something here. So we have this breastplate of righteousness which covers the, the innermost core of our body. But it's not talking about a physical body, it's talking about our spiritual body. Now, if you go back into the Old Testament, even we talk a lot about, well, it just it hurt me in my heart. Back in the Bible times, they used to use the word reins. Uh, uh, it was talking about the, the, the kidneys. literally means kidneys. It's talking about the innermost being of who they were. And we need to protect that because if, we, if we're injured in our innermost being and, and, and who we are, it can cause us to not be able to persevere. It can cause us to not be able to endure. It can cause us to, to just to quit, to be honest with you. Have you ever felt so weak that, that, that you got so tired of doing something, so weak that you just wanted to quit? I have. And I'm not necessarily talking about spiritual life. I'm just talking about life in general, whether it's exercise. You, 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 you doing it so long, you know, I, 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 just, I can't do it any, any longer. It, it looks bigger, harder than, than, than uh, what I really feel like I've got the energy to be able to do. Uh, there was a, a job I was hired for when I was a young person uh, to dig a ditch. I, I, I think I told you guys the story. It was supposed to be a shallow ditch, like one or two feet, and turned out to, it was going to be eight feet deep, or seven or eight feet deep, and like 25 yards long. And I, got, I dug down to where I found the pipe, and he told me I was supposed to go a foot underneath of it. And it, I was looking up at the sky and just had dirt around me, and I was overwhelmed. <laughs> I, I, you know what I did? I did not persevere. I, you know what I didn't do? I didn't endure. I quit. <laughs> I, I called him back and said, get yourself a backhoe because I'm not, I'm not doing it. And number one, it was, it was unsafe. The, that, the digging a trench like that, that's, that's dangerous, and you should never hire a teenager to do something like that. Uh, you need to shore up the walls because I could have been killed. Now, but, but I gave up. But that's not the only time I've given up. and not the only time I felt like giving up. We need to be very careful. This, the whole purpose of this is to protect us. And think, well, what do I need to protect? Or how, he's talking about the breastplate of righteousness. What can righteousness do for me? Now listen, we're not saved by our righteousness. And we're not kept saved by our good works. It's not saying that you're keeping yourself saved by, by the good works that you do. So I want to make, that, make sure that it's very clear. This is not talking about a breastplate of self-righteousness. Where we're like, I'm, I'm going to do all these good works and that's going to protect me. no. Because that can be your own downfall. Pride can damage you. Uh, uh, Doing things for the wrong purpose, man, that can hurt you. Doing it just because you're supposed to, listen, you'll wear out, I know. And you'll quit. Because you'll lose your motivation for what you're doing. So what what is it talking about? Well, the Bible talks about two types of righteousness. There's positional righteousness and Practical or not uh, positional righteousness, and then practical righteousness. Positional righteousness is this: it's not mine; it's his. Another word for it is, is imputed. Let's look up a, a couple of passages of scripture. Look at Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. Start in verse 
7, this is Paul giving his testimony. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Stop there for a minute, don't read ahead. You'll ruin things for me. Uh, uh, he said, listen, all those things, uh, that my, my past, my, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, all of those other good things that, that you and I would say, that's good. Remember, the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. He said, in myself, I was as righteous as anybody could be. But, look at verse 9. Be found in him, Christ, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He says, listen, I want to be found righteous, not because of my own righteousness. I realize all those things are but dung. They're worthless. They're, uh, there's nothing that can be done with it. Uh, 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 even my righteousness, according to the word of God, is as filthy rags. But I want to be kind of, kind of righteousness, righteous because of Jesus Christ. There's this thing called justification. Uh, you may have heard, heard the term. Uh, what it means is that, that, I, that God looks down at me and he does not see my sinfulness. But he sees Christ's righteousness. The beautiful picture of this in the Old Testament is uh, during the Day of Atonement, uh, there would be one, one goat that would be slaughtered, and another goat uh, was, was, was used, that they would, they would draw straws to, to which one was going to die and which one was going to live. And the one that was going to die it would be slaughtered, its blood would be sprinkled on the altar for the sins of all the people. That second goat, you know what they would do? The, the high priest, Aaron, would take his hands and he'd place his hands upon the head of that goat in symbolization of the sins of the people being placed on that goat. And that goat would be led out into the, into the wilderness, never to come back. It wasn't allowed to wander back in. Uh, and it would be led out of there as a symbol of the, the sins of the people being taken away from the, the nation. There's another that, that's, called the, that's, that's called imputation, a big word, a big, big, big Bible word. There's a second part of that. See, while, while, while when Christ died for us, God took our sins and placed them upon Christ's body so that when he died, he died for our sins. The second part of that is God took his righteousness and placed it upon us. Think about this. This is the, the, the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. I didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. I couldn't do anything to earn it. It was given to me by a loving, merciful, long-suffering God who, who decided that he wanted to have, or he loved me so much and loved you so much that he wanted to have reconciliation. And this was how it was done. So, so we have the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, this, this position. It's not something that can be lost. This isn't taken away from you. If I were to ask you, if you were perfect and holy and, and sinless right now, what would your answer be? Hopefully, no. Because the truth is, practically, we're not sinless. But positionally, you know what God sees when he looks at you? He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so you say, okay, if I put that on, how does that protect me? What, what, what could that do? Has anybody ever struggled with their salvation? Anybody ever struggled with their past, uh, with, with, with things that they have done? Think, I don't know how God, listen, Satan is really good at whispering in our ears, saying, you're not worthy. You were, I don't know how many years I struggled with my salvation. I don't know how many times I, I doubted and counted myself not worthy. I don't know how many times I fell and I failed and said, God, I don't get it. I don't know how you can still love me. I don't know how many times I doubted and I feared over the years. But if I were to put on the breastplate of righteousness, if I were to remember the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, there will never be a doubt in my mind how God sees me when he looks at me. 
He would never look at me and say, Ah, oh, you failure, you liar. He looks at me and says, My son. John Bunyan wrote, wrote a book and talks of the years. He wrote several books, actually. I've got the quote here. I can remember where I put my phone. He wrote a book, and he, and he, uh, he quoted, and this is a quote from the book. This is a, he was a 17th century Baptist tinker who became a preacher. He wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, The Holy War, and he gave us many other uh, classic Christian literature. He also wrote a spiritual autobiography called Grace Apounding to the Chief of Sinners. He described how he wrestled with so much doubt and fear and lack of assurance. He went literally months and even years experiencing all of these doubts until one day something happened. And this is, this is the quote from his book. One day as I was passing into the fields, this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in heaven. With the eyes of my soul, I saw Jesus at the Father's right hand. There, I said, is my righteousness. So that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God cannot say to me, where is your righteousness? For it is always right before him. I saw that it is not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness is in Christ. Suddenly my chains fell off. Indeed, my temptations fled away, and I now live sweetly at the peace with God. Listen, when, when he came to that understanding, when, listen, there's a, remember we talk about head knowledge and, and application to these truths in our life. Uh, uh, when we begin to uh, not just know that Christ is our righteousness, but when we really see ourselves in that, in that light, see that Christ sits right there before God, he is the one who intercedes for us. God would never look at us. We, listen, we may doubt ourselves, but God never does. And when we place that, 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 that breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness upon us, man, it protects us from all those fears and doubts. And listen, those things can wound us. That doubt and that fear can limit what we think God can do with us. That, that doubt and that fear can, uh, can, can, can limit what, what, what we think that we're capable of doing, understanding, listen, I'm not worthy. I know I'm not worthy, but my God certainly is. And not only is he worthy, but he's able to help me to grow. He's able to, 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 to equip me for what he's called me to be. We have the practical or positional righteousness. Secondly is, is, is practical righteousness and, or, or, or righteous living or holy living. Look over with, with me, if you would, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, it's verse, trying to read my own notes, 11 through 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this pre present world, looking for that blessed hope 
and that glorious appearance of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself, a, pure, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God has a desire. If we, there's a danger in just remembering the, the, the uh, imputed righteousness of Christ. That is the base basis for our, the breastplate of salvation. But if all we think about that, if all we think about is that kind of righteousness, how will we live? I can do whatever I want because God sees me as righteous. I can go wherever I want. I can ingest whatever I want. I can, I can treat people just however I want because, hey, I'm saved and God sees me. I am justified. I'm still righteous. But we have to balance that with the fact that God tells us in Peter, be ye holy for I am holy. We, 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 it's, it's this, it's about, if you go back to Romans chapter 6 and, and Paul says, should I sin that, that grace may abound? And the next, very next phrase says, God forbid. It, 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 we, yes, we have grace that's of God. And yes, we are justified. We are positionally righteous in, in Jesus Christ. But practically, God would have us to live a holy, righteous life. Uh, uh, what does that mean? It means that we live our lives in accordance with the Word of God, trying to, uh, trying to allow the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God to develop in us uh, the nature of God. So that, we, so that we treat others with love and kindness. So we preach the word of God and, and that we live the gospel out. So that, so that when things happen, we don't get angry and upset about it. Our, our flesh is always going to be there. And there will be times when we struggle and fall. I'm not telling you that you're going to get to a point in your life where, you're, where you'll be sinlessly perfect and never stumble and fall. Because even Paul said, and he was the author of much of the New Testament, he, he talks of that, 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 that battle within himself where he, the things he would do, he does not. And the things that he would not do, he does. Why? Because just like you and I, we have the flesh in us. The Bible doesn't record a lot about Paul's failures. I can guarantee you had some. If you were writing a book, would you fill it with your failures? <laughs> now, I understand the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Uh, but, but, uh, but understand, it, 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 the, the Bible isn't about Paul. The Bible's about God. It's, it's about uh, the doctrines of, the, of, of, of God. So, we, so looking at that and seeing this, we, we need to understand there is practical Christian living. There, there is a practical, right, practical righteousness that, that we must take part in. Turn over to chapter 4 of, of Ephesians. Is it chapter 4? I believe it is. We read it this morning. We'll start, we'll start in Verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of the heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
Notice that. It's creating righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. We read that this morning. For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Notice the next verse in chapter 5, verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as, as dear children. Listen, if we're, going to, so if we're going to have, if you're saved, you have the, the, the positional righteousness. If you're saved, God desires you to have practical righteousness. He tells us to put off the old man and to put on the new man. God desires us uh, to, to live a life. And listen, there's a reason behind it. Uh, yes, we, we can carry about, the, we, we have upon us that breastplate of righteousness which protects us from the fears and the doubt that Satan will undoubtedly throw at, at every single one of us. Uh, it's, 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 he attacks everybody in, uh, over the years the same way. Uh, he's never changed. He knows your weaknesses and he will attack them. So how does practical righteousness protect me? Ever have your conscience wounded? I have. I've done things that I knew were wrong. And God, I don't know how. How do you fix that? You do your very best to live according to the word of God. And when you make a mistake, you ask God for forgiveness, relying upon the forgiveness of God, and you keep going. It's a daily thing. It's a daily battle. We, we make mistakes on a daily basis. It says, be angry and sit not. How do you do that? I don't know. Jesus did it. Can we be angry? It's okay. There, there are times when anger is an appropriate reaction or appropriate response. But notice it said, be angry and sin not. Uh, uh, and sometimes you, you need to confront somebody, and, uh, but do it in love. Right? There, there, there are certain ways that, that we can go back to, and, and you know what it really ultimately comes down to? It's being full of the Spirit of God. Because the Bible says, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can I tell you, if you're submitted to the Spirit, and we're going to get into how we do this, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, way ahead, but if we, do, if we do this, if we allow the Spirit to lead us, if we take that breath, take that moment, and seek the leadership of God, and we'll respond a lot more slowly sometimes, but a whole lot better, a whole lot more holy. What do we mean by holy? Godly, as God would have us to respond so why do we need these, these two? We talked about what is it? It's the position of righteousness and the practical, practical whole living. Why do we need it? Why? Number one, for the assurance of our salvation. I already talked about that, so I won't spend any more time there. But First John chapter 3 tells us uh, what to do if, we're, if our heart condemns us. And it, it talks about how we, trust our, how we trust God because God is greater than our hearts. And there will be times... With, if we're not trusting in the righteousness of Christ, if we're not remembering our position in Christ, then our hearts truly will condemn us. But I love that next that, that, that verse, God is greater than our hearts. Not only does it, 
give us assurance, but it also protects our, our inner man. Proverbs 4.23, turn back to it real quickly, says, says this. It says, keep thy heart with all diligence. He's talking about protecting that inner man for out of it are the issues of life. If we see ourselves in the righteousness of Christ, if we exercise the righteousness of Christ in our lives by, by practical holy living, uh, what will that do? That protects our inner man. It protects, it wound, keeps us from being wounded from our wickedness or our sinfulness or our weakness. Uh, it, it helps us to continue and it helps us to endure. Remember, the, the Christian life isn't over in a, in a day. We sang the song, it will be worth it all when I see Christ. We're going to see a whole lot of life over the next, who knows, until Jesus Christ comes back or we take our final breath. And every day you might see a different battle. And every day there is going to be another attack from Satan in some way, way shape, or form. And you need the strength to be able to go on. You need the ability to endure. You need the ability to persevere. So it gives us assurance of salvation. It protects our man, and, and ultimately it glorifies God. If we're going to rest in the righteousness of God, and we're going to, to live practically practical holiness or, or practical righteousness in our lives, we're going to point other people to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5. But Jesus told the disciples here in Matthew chapter 5 that they were the, the salt of the earth and the the light of the world. Brother Frank knows exactly what verse I'm headed to. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good, righteous works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we have been created unto, good, or we have been ordained unto good works. We should walk therein. The, the, the purpose of these good works is not so that people pat you on the back and say, you're such a good person. That's called self-righteousness. The purpose of these good works is that people see you and they see God through you. And so, so understand when we place this, 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 uh, this uh, breastplate of righteousness on, it's done for our protection, but it's done also for the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. That's the wrong verse. 13.4, one second. Nope, I wrote the wrong verse down. Either way, it's done for the glory of God. So how do we do it? We know what it is. The positional righteousness and the practical righteousness. How do we live out that practical righteousness? How do we rest in the righteousness of Christ? Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I love the book of Romans. It says here in verse 1, what 
shall we say then, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall that we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin." For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. The first way that we place this breastplate of righteousness upon us is to believe the truth that we are dead to sin. And that we've been raised in, to the walk in newness of life. Too many times, just in the practical sense, Christians think, I, I, you know, it, it's something I've been struggling with this, it's overcome me, it's overwhelming. In the flesh, you'll be overwhelmed all the time. But we need to understand the doctrine that we don't have to sin, it's a choice that we make. Uh, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, Paul says that, that there will never be tempted beyond that which we are able, but there will always be a way of escape. But how many times have we convinced ourselves in our own battle that, we, that I just, I don't have a choice? That's all in your head. Because the, remember what we talked about this morning? God, God is true. His nature is true. The Bible says that his son is true. The Holy Spirit is true. In fact, uh, truth and the, his word is truth. So uh, and his word tells us that we have been, if you're saved, your, your sins, well, you're, that old man he's been, was dead and is crucified with Jesus Christ. And you, by, through baptism, is a, the, the, the symbolism is that you're, you're, you're buried with him and he rose again just like Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life, to walk in those good works, to be different than the world. I praise God for that. But if you really believe it, you'll live it. Our belief affects our behavior. Right? So, so uh, the first step is, is to understand the doctrine that you do not have to sin, that we sin by choice. Yes, we sin because our flesh is there, and if our flesh is stronger than our spirit, well, our spirit's going to lose that battle. But he doesn't have to. And that's the thing. We, we must believe it. Secondly, say no to sin. We need to be able to say no to sin. Verse 12 says this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lesser of. Let it not reign. What's that mean? Don't let it have rule over you. Don't allow your flesh to control you. Cause it to submit. Well, you don't understand how hard it is. Yes, I do. <laughs> I am not super Christian. I get it. I I understand the flesh when weakened, the flesh when the, the when the or the, the spirit when weakened. If I haven't read my Bible, it's a whole lot easier to, to say no to or it's a whole lot harder to say no to sin. 
It's a whole lot easier just to submit to what feels good or what my, what my flesh tells me is okay. But listen, if you're in the Bible and if you're in, in prayer and if you're, if you're growing and, and, and drawing closer to Christ, it's a whole lot easier to say no. It's like having two dogs in a fight. Whichever one you feed, that's the one that's going to win. Learn to say no. Three, surrender. Surrender or submit yourself unto God. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. It says this, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. If you're saved, you are alive from the dead. No, Jesus rose from the dead. No, so did you. Because you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But now you're saved. So, so how do we do it? By yielding to God. And submitting my members, my body. To be used for him. Believe in the truth of the doctrine. Say no to sin. Surrender to God. James says it like this. You ever heard about people resisting, resisting the devil? There's a there's a movie a, a movie on prayer that came out a while ago. It's a war room, a good movie. I'm not, I'm not knocking on the movie. It was it, it was a good movie, uh, but uh, there's a, a scene in there where this little old lady walks walks to her house and she's. I resist you, Satan. I catch you. She's, she's all by herself. And, and it, it's kind of like, it, it, it's interesting to watch. And, and, and the truth is, the Bible tells us that we can risk, resist Satan and he will flee from us. I love that fact. But there's a, pass, there's a word before that, that before we resist. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Before you can resist them, before you have the power and the strength to submit, listen, you don't have the authority uh, yourself to resist Satan. You have the authority, the authority through God. So submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist Satan. It's like going to a fight without having your army behind you. God is the one who, uh, who could, listen, I'm not telling them to walk around your house telling Satan to get out of here. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Uh, uh, there, there have been times that I personally, I can remember what, years and years ago, uh, I had one morning I woke up and just uh, in my head that it was just going through all just the, my past and things from the past and, and just kind of in a half awake. And suddenly I, I bolt upright woke up and said, God, I am sorry for what I've been thinking about. Forgive me. Satan, get away from me. I did that for the purpose that Satan would leave me alone. But, but listen, I, it's re that, that resisting of temptation. We can do it, but we do it under the authority of God as we submit ourselves unto him and we, as we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 says, remember, find my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Back in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 6 says this. Sorry, verse 518. 
chapter 5.18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We are, we are to, to understand that it's the Spirit of God that gives us the power. And if we're dependent upon the Spirit, just like it says in Galatians, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For us to be able to stand, we cannot just be girded about with truth, but we must have on the breastplate of righteousness. That breastplate will protect us from the doubts and the fears of our unworthiness, a lack of usefulness. It will protect us from an injured conscience or grieved spirit. Listen, again, it's not our self-righteousness, but it's the righteousness through Christ as we yield ourselves to him. We're not righteous because of what we can do. We're We're righteous because of what Christ can do and has done. We need to believe that we don't need to sin and just at that point resist it, say no to it, and submit ourselves to God and to his word. As we do that, you know what will happen? Our lives begin to change. George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards were are two well-known preachers from back in the back in the old old days. Before they were saved, they went to college together. In fact, they formed a group. Uh, these two men, they were, uh, I'm trying to remember what exactly it was called, but it was pretty much uh, the, the holy men. Or something. They, their, their whole goal, uh, they, 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 they loved God. They were very religious. They wanted to live lives that brought honor and glory to God in the midst of a worldly campus, a worldly, worldly people. Neither one were saved. They did their best. They were good people. Both of those men got saved when somebody came along over a period. They got saved at separate times, but both under the same message, you must be born again. George Whitfield recorded in his, in his journals that, that for months he struggled with his salvation after he heard that message to the point where he made himself sick because he didn't eat. I spent days of just of depression in bed until he came to the point where he rested in the righteousness of Christ and trusted in Christ for salvation versus his own good works. Jonathan Edwards heard the same sermon of some no-name young, young guy that he just went to see. And God used those men to preach the truth of the gospel, but to live holy lives. Uh, we, we remember them as, 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 as preachers, but as, as I look back and as you study their life, they were, they were men who desired to be holy. Not because of who they were, because of what other people would see, because they would honor God. George Whitfield preached the day of his son's funeral on the, on the street corner as the bells tolled for, for his infant child's funeral. The kid was only one or two years old and, and died, and he stood there on the street corner preaching, asked about a later, said, listen, he's already gone. There's nothing I can do for him. But 
God's called me to preach the gospel. But yes, he went to the funeral. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But, but even in that grief and that heartache, he, he had a life that, that, that most of us couldn't imagine. The amount of time that he spent in prayer. The amount of, you go back and those, 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 the, look at many of those, those, those old men of the faith. And, man, the time they spent in prayer and seeking God. I feel ashamed and inadequate. I don't want to be a Jonathan Edwards. Because God already had a Jonathan Edwards. But I certainly want to be as much like Christ as I can be. I believe Jonathan Edwards was just following the example that Christ had set for him. May God help us to, to rest in his righteousness, but also follow his example. Amen. We want to put on this, this breastplate of righteousness so that we might stand. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I certainly know that I'm not worthy. I'm also glad and thankful. And God, I praise you that you are. I thank you for Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Lord, I thank you for what he's doing in me now. Lord, help us to, 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 to rest in his righteousness, Lord, but also help us to, help us to uh, try to live live out his righteousness in our lives. Lord, that we might bring glory to God, that we might bring forth the gospel to the lost. Lord, that we might be able to endure until the coming of the Lord. We thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. Help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.